0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Greater Alton Church. I'm Tim, and glad that uh, you could all be here. How was your Thanksgiving? All right, all right. I understand. Don't want to give any family secrets away. I get, I get it. Uh, It's great to be with you this morning, and um, we're finishing up a series of lessons called "The Message in the Meal." They call Thanksgiving. I was looking around, searching, just doing some searching about Thanksgiving, and it's been called the mother of all meals in america <laughs> what a what a way to say that and it's true when you stop to think about it it is the mother of all meals i mean well, we might have meals uh, you know birthday or anniversary and things of that nature but this one man this is the big one and people get prepared and and sometimes they'll prepare well in advance for this thanksgiving meal uh we had thanksgiving in mount carmel and with uh, some family. And uh, it was just, uh, the food was perfect. I don't know how to explain it. It was perfect. And we watched lots of football till our eyes bled. And it was just a great uh, time being together. Played some games. I got trounced as usual playing cards. I want you to see this passage. The reason I, the reason I say that is because I'm talking about this idea of Thanksgiving being the mother of all meals. Uh, meals are a big part of our culture. And this whole month, we've been looking at meals with Jesus. And there's a message in each one of these meals. There's several we didn't even get into. We've only looked at three. And uh, today we're looking at at this third one, I believe, to be the mother of all meals for Jesus. But look what the Bible says about Jesus. He said this about Himself. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. And boy, howdy did He. He came drinking and eating. He was at meals. He was either going to a meal or coming from a meal. Jesus loved to eat with people. He loved having lunch and supper and even breakfast with His disciples. And what we've learned so far in this series is that not only did Jesus was interested in filling stomachs, He was interested in filling souls. So many times there would be a teaching moment around the table. Jesus would begin to share something that was on His mind either with His disciples or with friends. And so you would expect that when you were around uh, around Jesus uh, uh, during a meal. Now today I do want to talk about probably the most important meal Jesus ever had with His disciples, and it's been called the Last Supper. Uh, You can find, every Gospel covers it in uh, various details. What I'm looking at today, we're focusing on is Luke's account, and it's found in Luke 22, and if you'd like to get your Bible out and like to read along, you can. Let me read a little bit to you here. Um, We're going to start picking it up in verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread in which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare it for it? They asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Now, it's unusual for a man to be carrying a jar. Jar carrying was for women in this culture. So this guy stood out like a sore thumb, Okay. He says, Follow him to the house that he enters, and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his disciples reclined at the table, and he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you because before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink it again and the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, He took a cup. Wait a minute. We just read about a cup, didn't we? What's going on here? The Passover meal had changed over the years. And later on, they added four different cups. So Jesus is talking about this Last Supper. What we're reading about Luke's giving account in too is, is between the third and fourth cup of this meal. In the same way, after the supper, He took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant of My blood which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. Also a dispute arose among them as which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings and the Gentiles lorded over them, And they who execute authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you're not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by Me in My trials and I confer on you a kingdom just as My Father conferred one on Me so that you may eat and drink at My table in My kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon? Simon? Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know Me. Then Jesus asked him, When I sent you without purse, bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. He said to them, But now, if you have a purse, take it, and also a bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. It is written, and he will be numbered with the transgressors. And I tell you that this must be fulfilled in Me. Yes, what is written about Me is reaching its fulfillment. The disciples said, See, Lord, we have two swords. That's enough, he replied. Very interesting passage here. Luke gives a very detailed account of what's going on. I think Mike Hyman led us in some thoughts about the Lord's Supper just a few moments ago. And here we're looking at this Last Supper. There's a message in it. And and not to belittle what Mike is asking us to think about or what we do every Sunday, but this Supper has more meaning than Taking some bread and drinking some grape juice and remembering a few few things about Jesus. There's a lot more meaning packed into this passage. I notice here in in verse 15, if you'll notice, it says Jesus said to them, I want very much to eat this Passover meal with you before I suffer. This was something Jesus looked forward to. Much like we look forward to Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner. We're looking forward to this particular meal. He he can't wait to have this meal with them. It's the mother of all meals to him because it's the Passover meal. And what is the Passover meal about, you might ask? What is it about? Well, the Passover stood at the very heart and life of Jewish culture. It was the meal. You would spend weeks preparing for the Passover. And this all began when the Jews lived in Egypt under bondage, under slavery. If you remember Joseph... Gets them to Egypt, Jacob's family, the rest of his brothers, and they they live there 450 years, so to speak. So many so many things happen during that 450 year process, and they end up having children and having grandchildren and more children until the Jewish nation is now millions. It's just unbelievable. But a pharaoh uh, takes office or a king takes control that doesn't know about Joseph, doesn't understand who these Hebrews are, and if you remember the story, he puts them into slavery. And they cry out to God as they suffer. They cry out to God, please deliver us from this man. And we, of course we know Moses was born. And Moses grows up, Egyptian, leaves for 40 years, comes back to take God's people out of Egypt. There's nine plagues. This is all covered... In, in Exodus, I believe, 9-12, through 12, there's nine plagues uh, that have happened. A tenth one is about to, to come. And there's all kinds of plagues. Uh, water turns into blood. Frogs everywhere. Gnats. Flies. Darkness. Hail. There's all kinds of different plagues taking place. And none of them seem to persuade Pharaoh to let God's people go. To let them leave their bondage. And so a tenth one is about to take place. The death of the firstborn. And it's at at this time that the Passover begins. There's an old song I used to sing uh, when I was a young man in a country church. And it was, When I See the Blood. When I see the blood. When I see the blood. When I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. That was the chorus. We sang that a lot in our church. That's how kind I remember it. And it's about this. Because what would happen at Passover was at this particular time before the tenth plague, God would tell His people through Moses, I want you to take a lamb, a perfect lamb, an innocent lamb, a young lamb, cut its throat, take the blood, and put it on the doorpost and on the sides of the door. And when the death angel comes, it will see the blood and pass over you. It will pass over you. Everybody else, well, the firstborn of their family will die. And during that time, during that night, as the angel passed over, Moses went on to tell them, God wants us to roast that lamb that we've slain. Not boil it, but roast it. We're going to eat that and along with unleavened bread, uh, and as well as some bitter herbs. Now Je- Jesus wanted to have this Passover meal with his disciples, but he changes it. He takes this opportunity to change it, and and it goes from it goes from being a, a to remember, don't forget Exodus. Remember Exodus to don't forget me. Look what he says here in verse 19: Do this to remember me. No longer about Exodus. No longer about the the angel going over the doorpost because of the blood of the Lamb. No, this is going to be remembering me. The focus now is the Lamb of God. And see, remembering Jesus is more than just having this uh, moment of in memory of Him. The word remember here carries with it something much deeper. It means that I'm participating now And what happened then? That the message then, that was given then, is given to me now. And I actually participate in what's going on. It's as if I'm right there with the disciples. So when Jesus says, Remember me, I got to thinking, what does he want me to remember? What does he want you and I to remember as disciples? Well, let me give you four. I had seven points. I heard some weary there. I heard some weary moaning. I had seven, but I can only pick four. I realized I can't. We could spend uh, a sermon series on this. I picked four. Here they are. First, Jesus wants me to remember what He's done for me. Now, we're familiar with this. When we take the Lord's Supper, we remember his death on the cross his shedding of the blood see the Passover focused on blood lamb's blood here look up the screen here's Exodus 12 here's here's what Moses told the people of Israel to do in Exodus 12 then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel the elders now and said to them the fathers in other words go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb take a bunch of hyssop dip it into the blood in the basin and put some of the blood on the top and both sides of the door frame. None of you shall go out of the door of the house until morning. It's important you stay in that house. When the Lord goes through the land and strike down the Egyptians, He will see the blood on the top and the sides of the door frame and will pass over the doorway. And He will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down so what is it? what is his, what's his instructions the father the head of the family he wants to save his family so he takes an innocent lamb now i was looking at this idea of what is this idea of a lamb and there's so much i i um i don't know how you you guys what you guys do when you're uh, taking notes of things you don't want to forget um i tend to write on anything i can and i wrote uh i was writing on some um, a, a, a receipt um, that I have and the purpose of... And I can't find it now. Well, there you go. That happens. Okay, it's in here somewhere in my Bible. There's a receipt. And I started writing writing uh, on it all the things that I could find about what is the purpose of a lamb. How often is the lamb used? In a little book by William Barclay called As They Saw Jesus, one of the topics is the Lamb of God. And in that, he said that the that lambs were were sacrificed in many, many different ways in Jewish culture. You began and ended the day with a lamb sacrifice. At the beginning of the month, there would be seven lambs sacrificed. If you were a leper wanting to be cleansed, you were, there was a lamb sacrifice for you. If you'd had a child to be cleansed, you would have a lamb sacrifice for you. There was all kinds of lambs that were sacrificed, and you read accounts where thousands of lambs were sacrificed in dedications and such, as well as goats. So this is this is a common thing: lambs, innocent lambs being died. And the word "lamb" is associated with innocent innocence. Am I right? Innocent as a lamb, yeah, as meek as a lamb. And you have you also have the idea of not only that, but of of this idea of innocence. But also of relationship and dependence on God as a shepherd, as a sheep relies on its shepherd. You have that picture that a lamb follows its shepherd. And you also have the idea that a lamb gives the picture of intimacy. Shepherd knows the lamb name, every lamb, every sheep by name. Uh, During the Passover, they would take this lamb, they would select, and they would live in the house with them for a week, and they would look at it and make sure it was in perfect shape. And you can imagine getting attached to this little lamb, knowing you're going to kill it. And so, this this is all the things that are, that are going that go on during uh, sacrifices. And so, here a father selects this innocent lamb, takes it to the temple, cuts its throat. There's priests everywhere as they're bringing these in and they're cutting the throat and the blood is being being drained into a bowl and thrown on the altar. I read somewhere where the altar was just so covered in blood during Passover in the temple. It was just an incredible amount of blood being shed at this time. Well, Jesus is... Taking advantage of this, and he wants to remind you and I and the disciples at the table that a father in heaven selected a lamb to save his family. And it was, he says, it was me. John the Baptist said it this way Look, when he saw Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I think somewhere in 1 Corinthians 5, I think it is, Paul said that. Jesus is our Passover Lamb. He he didn't just die for the family in a house, but He died for everyone in the world. For all the sins. Here in Luke 22, up here on the screen, look what He says. He took the bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them saying, this is My body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Who is at this table? Blood has been poured out for you. My body, I've given. I hand out, I break I used to think, What's this? Why did he use the lamb? Here, take a chunk of meat. He uses bread, and he breaks it in front of him, which is a very endearing gesture to your closest friend. Want to bite out of my sandwich? Here. Here's some bread. This is me. And I'm giving it to everybody at the table. Everybody, everybody. You're giving it to Peter? Yeah. I understand John. He's your closest pal. You're giving it to Peter? He's going to betray you. He knows that. Have some bread, Peter. Thomas is going to doubt him. Have some bread, Thomas. Judas is going to betray him. Here's some. Bre- There's bread for everyone. You hear me? There's room at the table for everyone. All of us. You know, it's you've got you've got all these people that are going to fail Jesus in some way. And you know that though the attendance at the table has grown, it's still filled with failures. Huh? Absolutely. And Jesus is saying, here, have a chunk of bread. Have a chunk of bread. I'm the bread of life. Have some of Me. I'm the true manna that come from Heaven. I'm the real food and the real drink, He says in John 6. Here, have some. Have some of My blood. Is he, are they drinking literal blood? Ugh, sounds like Halloween. No. They're not drinking. But this juice is going to represent the blood. And when you taste it, and it's so sweet. Just think about how sweet it is to be saved. How sweet it is to be right with God. But, it was, but a grape gave up itself so you could have juice. And I give myself up so you can have life. Eternal life. Peter never forgets this. This made an impression on Peter. He never forgot what the Lord's Supper was about, this Last Supper. Even when he denied Christ, By the way, last week, did we talk about Peter last week? Last week we talked about Peter? Yeah. I I read something I thought was interesting. I used to play in the band, and I loved playing in the band. I loved music. You know, hit a sour note, it didn't change my love for God or my love for music. And Peter, though he denied Christ, maybe you've denied Christ, maybe, maybe you've messed up, and you're thinking, oh, I don't really love Him terribly. Let me tell you, you love the Lord, even when you've messed up. Just remember that. Let that encourage you. Yeah, you need to look at your love. But you don't fall in and out of love with God every time you do something good and do something bad. You know what I'm saying? And here, here we see Peter never forgetting. Even at the denial, the denial did not keep him from remembering what this was, what was going on. Look at, well, look what he says here in 1 Peter. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. So Jesus wants you and I to remember. He wants these guys to remember. To never forget. Hey, remember what I did for you. It's the bedrock of everything you do. Why you do it and what you're going to do. Number two, Jesus wants me to remember what He's calling me to be. He doesn't want me to ever forget what He's calling me to be. I'm going to tell you, there's some points here I'm making today. I don't care about, I don't like these points when I'm trying to tell you this, but they're there. They're at this supper, they're at this meal. And I've, I've I have limited what's happening here to a bread and juice to remember the cross, and that's very important. But you know, Jesus wants to remember something else, and that is He's calling us to be something, like He's calling His disciples to be something. When I participate in the Lord's Supper, I'm reminded He's calling me to be, to become, to be like Him. Let me ask you something. Did you experience any tension at the table this Thanksgiving? Maybe a little tension? You know, we're at my brother-in-law's house and he makes it very clear he's not a religious man. Not a, uh, he's not a, a Christian. And we begin Thanksgiving. Nathan goes, who's going to pray? I, said, I don't know yet. And he stands up and goes, I just want to thank everybody for coming. I'm thankful for this. and And he's very, very nice speech. Let's eat. And Nathan leans over to me and goes, hey, aren't we going to pray? Go, well, it's his house. He's the host. You know, we really can't just barge in and shove this Christian stuff down his throat. I think we should be praying. I'm going to pray. Wait a minute, son. Calm down. You can pray to yourself. I don't want to pray to myself. My kids are watching. I don't like this. I'm going. Calm down. Calm down. Take it easy. Look, maybe your kids need to learn. You have to respect some people. If you want to win them. You might have to respect some things here. You may not like it, but can't you pray to yourself? Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Are you, you're thankful, aren't you? Yeah, I think He is too. He's just expressing it a little differently than maybe we're used to. I just, I just can't believe it. It's like sacrilege. How can we not pray before we eat? You pray before every meal you eat? That's beside the point. I understand. It sits there, right beside the point, reminding me of the point I cannot make. Okay? Yeah, get it. Any tension? We experienced a little tension. That was not the only time. We have four grandkids running around, and it's like they've never seen each other all year. I want to sit next to Carmody. I want to sit next to Nora. What's, what's, he, what's Meyer saying? What's he saying? He's saying Grandpa. He wants to sit next to Grandpa. Remember the kids' table when you were growing up? I don't want to sit at the kids' table. I'll never forget. Go sit at the kids' table. Dad, I'm 18! Sit at the kids' table. Here I am, my knees are higher than my shoulders at the kids' table. And all these kids, we're having the same thing. I want to sit next to Grandpa. I want to sit next to Nora. I want to sit next to Uncle Raji, Haji, Sheik. That's what we call Roger. Raji, Haji, Sheik. Sheik, Sheik, Sheik. You know, it's just crazy. And then what's Ellie doing? Walking around like, you know, an acrobat. She's just doing that. And you know, people and and the, and the lions are playing football, you know the traditional. And I'm watching people go. Well, I'm gonna. I think I'll sit right here in front of the TV. Everybody's there's a little tension in the room. You don't talk about Trump. That could be suicide in a meal. You can talk about raising my kids behind my back. Tension? Oh yeah. We all have it. Somebody always spills the plate. <clears throat> and everybody goes, Whoa! Whoa! We'll spend an hour cleaning it up. Well, there's tension at this table, folks, that Jesus is having. He says, Somebody is here that's going to betray me. Boy, that's a shift in momentum, huh? Talk about an atmosphere killer. What? Who? Me? 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 Who? Me? Me? And then somehow the discussion turns from betraying Jesus to, well, it can't be me. Why not? Because I'm pretty good. Well, you think you're better than me? Yeah, I think I'm better than you. In fact, I think I'm greater than you. I don't understand why I'm sitting way down here. I should be sitting next to Jesus. And Jesus, as the host of a Jewish meal, the host would 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 make the seating arrangements. Anybody here ever done that? Where you're having dinner and you're putting people, you put their name where they're going to sit. Maybe... Some people actually do that. Jesus, as a host, can do that. And he's, like, he's motioning over to John. Come over here. What do you want? Oh, I'm sitting on His left. He sits down. Come over here. Me? Yeah, come over here. Who's that? He's sitting on His right. That's Judas. That's what they believe. Many people believe Judas is sitting on the right of Jesus, which is the seat of honor. They're honoring Judas today. Why are you doing that, Jesus? You're messing with me, man. I want that guy at the end of the table. In fact, I like him at the kids' table out in the street. You got him right next to you, you crazy. There's a message here, Tim. I'm not gonna like it. And here, where's Peter gonna sit? I don't know. You know, you're always sticking your foot in your mouth. You're probably gonna be last. And there's Peter on the end. Sitting there with Thomas. Think the field, think the food's going to be good I doubt it will Peter we'll see who roasted the who roasted the lamb we'll see you know there's all the, all these guys are at the, around the table and there is tension and it's interesting to me how quickly it shifts from who's betraying me to where am I going to sit Jesus says somebody's going to betray me and that almost—that's there for a moment—and leaves their thought process to position. That's what they're bickering over: position. I want to sit here. I don't want to sit there. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered the greatest. Warren Wiersbe says this in his B series. In this, when he talks about this, he says. When you're interested in promoting yourself, it doesn't take much to start an argument. You, are you somebody that seems to be stepping into conflict a lot? It could be, because you're selfish. And during the meal, he hears Jesus hears this bickering, this drama, this tension, and to break the tension, He gets up, according to John, the Gospel of John, walks over to a basin of water and grabs a towel, and He makes a memory. Wow. Talk about a dinner and a memory. Here it is. What a, something they're never going to forget. He washes all their feet. He's washing the feet of Peter, who's going to deny him, Judas, who's going to betray him, John, who he's very close to, and everybody else at the table. And he gets done, he sets it down, he walks over, he walks back over and says, Guys, what did I just do? You see what I just did? And they're going, Someone's got to be going, yeah, I saw what you just did. What are you doing? This is the Passover. You're washing feet. That's what a host does. He washes feet, he makes sure your feet are clean. But you call me Lord and Master, and that's true. But look what your Lord and Master did. I have set you an example. You should be washing each other's feet. What's he saying? I want you to never forget what I've called you to be. A servant. A servant. That's what I want you to be. Look at what it says here in John 13. It was almost time for the Jewish Passover festival. Now was the time He showed them His love the most. By doing what? Serving. You know, I don't know what it is, but love will make you do things that's beneath you that no other motive, no other emotion will do. You will serve if you love someone. Jesus says in Luke 22, after He, after he deals with, with uh, Peter's denial, He turns to the rest of them and says, the kings and the Gentiles lorded over them, but those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. They call themselves what? Entitled. Entitled. I've been around long enough. I think I should be... People should be... You know, I don't have to go to church here. People should respect who I am. I've got a position. You have to position. When I was in my 20s, and I think it still hasn't changed. I remember Robert and I used to... We sat on on uh, Mike Napier's desk one time with our feet on top of his desk... Talking about how if we were in charge, how we'd do things differently. Mike comes in. Our feet are off the desk. What are you guys talking about? Nothing. Almost like Jesus. He read our minds. Talking about how you'd run this church? Guys, it's not like you think. It's not what you think. Your young hearts think. And we were after position. We wanted to be respected. We wanted to be cool. Entitled. He says they call themselves benefactors. They call themselves entitled. I'm entitled. But you're not to be like that, He says. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. Or who is greater? The one who's at the table or the one who serves? And the answer is what? Is it not the one at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. Jesus says, look, there's a lot of people they're into position. They're into, I want to look I want to have a position. I, want to, I feel like I should be able to do this or do that. And he says, you know, that's not the way it works. Don't be like that. I didn't come to, to be served. I came to serve. And I've left you example. I want you to remember something. Be like me. Be one who's a servant and who will sacrifice. Romans 12 talks about us being a living sacrifice be like me. don't forget i'm calling you to be like me to follow in my steps yes and listen i know say, but are not we to remember jesus saved us absolutely i need to remember jesus saved me every week but I, you know what i need reminded every week of what he called me to be and that's a servant you see i'm saved by him to serve like him that's so important to remember. I'm not saved so He can serve me all the time. I'm saved by Him so I can serve like Him. Jesus or Paul said it this way, my brothers. God called you to be free. He got us out of bondage. I called you to be He called you to be free. But do not use your freedom as an excuse to do things that please your sinful self. Serve each other with love. And so, what Jesus want me to always remember? That I'm a servant. You guys always remember. I, I tend to forget. I forget often that, I'm, that Jesus calls me to be a servant. But that's what He wants us to remember. That's what He's emphasizing in this meal. Number three. Jesus wants me to remember to love those who hurt me. Oh my. Really? That's in the Lord's Supper? Nobody told me that when I passed the bread. When the bread's passed to me or the cup. I mean, what do you do? What do you tend to do when people hurt you? When people disappoint you? Because around that table are 12 guys that are going to hurt Jesus and disappoint Him. There's a traitor at this table. Who is it? Well, it's Judas. And it's somebody that's going to hurt Jesus. And look what the Bible says here. Let's read it again in Luke 22. But here at this table, Jesus says, sitting among us as a friend is the man who will betray Me. I must die. It is a part of God's plan. But oh, the horror awaiting that man who betrays me. I was intrigued by the New Living Bible because it says, but oh, the horror. I think the translation, but woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. So you can't talk about the Last Supper without talking about Judas. He's in there. He's attending it. He's at the table. And what what challenges me, and even to some degree I'm ashamed of is, I see this, I go, wow, Jesus treats His betrayer differently than I do. Than I do mine. He treats people who disappoint Him differently than I do those that disappoint me. Look here, look at John 13. Leaning back against Jesus, He asked Him, it's John asking, Who is it, Lord? Who's betraying you?" Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I give this piece of bread when I've dipped it in the dish. Then, dipping the piece of bread, He gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered it to Him. So Jesus told him, What you're about to do, do quickly. But look at this. But no one at the meal, understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or give something to the poor. The guy I give a piece of bread to is going to betray me. Now, he'd been passing it around to everybody. Huh? And he gives it to Judas. And Judas goes, Busted. What you're about to do, you better get on with it. So Judas gets up and leaves and everybody goes where's he going? Oh he's, I think he's going to get some some food we've run out of some food I guess or maybe maybe you know he takes care of the money he's the most trusted guy in the group maybe he's just going to give some money to the poor. you know what I notice Jesus knows he knows everybody else doesn't have a clue he knows who's going to betray him. And yet, he shares this intimate meal with his betrayer, with Judas. Now let me ask you something. What do you think would have happened if he said, the guy, who's going to betray you, Lord? And he goes, it's Judas! If he just stood up and went, it's Judas, right here! What do you think would have happened to Judas? Well, that would have been tension, huh? I've been to some of those Thanksgiving dinners too. You know. Who left the, out in the rain? Daddy did! And the stankins began, you know. And here he is. He could, have, he knew! He could have busted Judas out and said, it's him, right here, guys. Why doesn't he do that? Why did he say to, why doesn't he just bust it out and end it right there? Well, Judas, you know, I've heard scholars go, well, Judas is, uh, he's kind of locked in right now and he can't help himself. That's not what's going on here. That's not what's going on here. Judas still can decide. What's going on here? Why is Jesus, why are you so nice to this guy? What do you mean nice to him, Tim? Well, as a host, you would kiss everybody, you would welcome everybody with a kiss when they walked in the room. So Jesus had already kissed Judas. Kind of ironic, isn't it? That Judas would betray him with a kiss. He kisses Judas, he washes his feet and there's no broken bones. How do you do that, Lord? He has Judas sitting right next to Him. Somebody says, well, you keep your friends close to you, and your enemies closer. That's not what He's doing. He's honoring Judas. He's rubbing it in. He's not rubbing it in. He hands him bread, which under Jewish culture, Is one of the most gracious gestures you can do to someone. You offer them bread. Why are you doing this, Lord? Why are you doing this? Don't you understand, Tim? I'm giving Judas a chance to change. I come to the table of the Lord. My sin, messed up, hang ups, Hurt here and there. And He doesn't turn me away. He says, I want You to come to this table. Sit next to Me, Tim. But Lord, I've I've really blown it this week. I want You back at this table. Why? You need to be at this table with Me. You need this. You need to remember. You need to remember something. What's that? That I love those that hurt Me and I want You to do the same. I want you to do the same. You and I have people that hurt us every year. Some of the people that don't show up for Thanksgiving or Christmas because of car trouble or they have to work, we inside in our deepest, darkest place go, yeah, they're not here. I can relax now. Now oh, thanks Mike. That's true. It's true. What do we, and, 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 and what do I do? What should I do? What am I to do with these people that hurt me, that disappoint me, that betray me, that pull out the rug from under my feet, so to speak? I'll tell you what I do I avoid them. I avoid them. I see them at Lowe's. I'm going into the garden section. See them at Home Depot? I'll go somewhere else. I avoid them. I want to run from them. And in those moments that I do want to see them, it's not to love them. I want to see them get what they deserve. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Here's Jesus' betrayer at the mother of all meals. And He says, You are welcomed at this table. Jesus, how can You do that? Tim, I'm saying you can't forget to love them. You can't refuse to love them. Why not? Because of the horror ahead of them. I look at Judas and I think to myself, but oh, the horror awaiting that man who betrays me. And I don't want him to experience that. See, you and I are kind of entry points for sinners to come to Christ. We're kind of entry points. And I, I can't tell you, I, there's been times I've not been a very good entry point. Somebody disappoints me, hurts me, betrays me. I think David says somewhere, uh, and Psalms if you got a pen you can write this down. Psalms forty one nine and Psalms fifty five thirteen. Psalms forty one nine and Psalms fifty five twelve and thirteen. Um, this verse bothers me. Even my close friend whom I trusted. He who shared my bread has lifted up his heel against me. David says those words. Psalms 55.12 Verse 12 If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were raising himself against me, I could hide from him. But it's you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship, as we walked with the throng at the house of God. Does that sound like Jesus and Judas? Oil, boy, oh boy. There's a friend sitting at the table that's going to betray me. And we shared sweet fellowship with. And what's Jesus want to do? Get rid of him? He wants to get rid of Judas as much as he wants to get rid of you. He wants you at that table. I'm really screwed up. I'm going to put you right beside me. I want to have you real close to me because you need it. And what's he want me to remember? Just how, what, how good he is to me, and that's it? No! I want you to do the same. Remember to be the same way because you're an entry point for people. You're somebody that can help somebody get to the table. Look what He says here. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard it. It was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. I can do that. Can you do that? I have no trouble obeying that. That's a take commandment. I can do it. Pretty good. Great, Tim. But I say to you, uh-oh. <laughs> love your enemies? What? Love your enemies. Pray for those who hurt you. If you do this, you'll be true children of your Father in heaven. If you love only the people who love you, you will get no reward. Even tax collectors do that. And if you're nice only to your friends, you're no better off than other people. Even those who don't know God are nice to their friends. Is that true? That is true. But who's going to be nice and kind and generous to the enemy? To the black sheep of the family. To the church member who betrays me. Jesus says, I will, and I want you to. Number four, what's He want me to never forget? He wants me to remember to be ready to do God's will. You could even say He wants me to remember His mission. You can say it either way. You know, I noticed something as I'm reading Leviticus 12 here. If you'll show it up on the screen here. It says, when you eat the meal, you must be fully dressed and ready to travel. You must have your sandals in your feet and your walking stick in your hand. You must eat in a hurry because this is the Lord's Passover. I noticed something. There's an acute awareness of what lies ahead. He's encouraging an acute awareness of what lies ahead while eating the meal. They've had nine plagues And now the tenth one's about to hit, and he says it's about to hit the fan. So when you're eating, get your cloak. Don't get tangled up in it. Put it up here in your belt so you got, your legs can move freely. And make sure you have your staff in your hand and be ready to go. Be ready to move. And eat in a hurry because you can't stay. You can't hesitate you've got to jump right in that sounds intense why is this so intense why is this the way it, why is it written like that why be ready and ready to go and because there's danger and risk in saving people when there's deliverance and redemption and saving people at stake there's always always risk and always danger. What if these people left that house too soon? They would die. In fact, I think He says in Exodus 12, wait till morning. And what I notice here is, is that Jesus, when He's talking about this, on the heels of this last meal with them, He wants His disciples to be aware of what lies ahead of them. He says, Peter... Satan wants to sift you like wheat. What's he mean? Like Job, he really wants you bad. He's saying things like, give me a few minutes alone with Peter. Just a few minutes, Lord. He wants to sift you like wheat. But I'm praying for you, Peter. And when you turn back, he's already saying you're going to fail. But but you're going to come back. When you turn back, strengthen your brothers. And of course, Peter starts arguing with Him. And Jesus, I you to know, you see Peter going, Lord, I'm not going to do that! For crying out loud, it's Passover. I would never do something like that on Passover. Before the sun comes up, Peter, in just a few hours, you're going to deny me three times. And then he turns to his disciples, the rest of them says this, when I sent you out, and I used the message here, when I sent you out and told you to travel light, take only the bare necessities, did you get along alright? Certainly, they said, we got along just fine. He said, this is different. Get ready for trouble. Look to what you'll need. Catch that. Look to what you will need. For what? For the trouble coming. What you're going to need to get through that trouble. What you're going to need to do the will of God. Because it's about to hit the fan. He says, what was written in Scripture, he was lumped in with the criminals, gets its final meaning in me. Everything written about me is now coming to a conclusion. They said, Look, Master. Oh, by the way, he says, pawn your coat, get a sword. And he says, Look, Master, two swords. But he said, Enough of that. No more sword talk. What's going on here? He's not saying two swords are enough. He says, You guys are missing what I'm talking about again. And the disciples are constantly missing the meaning of what Jesus was saying. They're thinking, okay, there's gonna be a coup. We're finally going to overthrow the Roman government. It's about to happen. And I just think, use some common sense, guys. You're in Jerusalem, not Rome. First of all, that ought to give it away. And secondly, these aren't two big old whopping swords. There's discussion about they could be just knives. Just knives. we got two knives here. You know, fishermen carry knives. You know, fish are cut bait. He says, things are about to get ugly. This is not about swords. He says, this is not about swords. This is not about taking over the Roman government by force. This is about doing the will of God on this earth. I'm about to do something huge. You guys realize there's going to be a sacrifice that's going to take place in just a few hours? The, the Passover lamb is going to be sacrificed. And they're saying, right, well, you know, it's every morning. Every... No, 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 I'm going to be sacrificed. And all that favor that you got while you and I were together, people are going to turn on you. Because saving people is hard to do. Saving people puts us in danger and risk. And you guys are going to be in that danger and risk as well. Now, One of the things about Greater Alton Church, guys, we are here to seek and save the lost. We're here to do this and we just all of us need to realize that's going to put us in peril sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable it's going to be dangerous you're going to get hurt you're going to get hurt when you share your faith with other people so it's, so I got to be ready when this difficulty comes when this trouble comes because beneath it all is this readiness to make sure the will And work of God happens in my life. In your life. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 11. After he talks about the Lord's Supper, he says this means that every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're telling others about the Lord's death until He comes again. I I read somewhere that the Lord's death sometimes is sweet aroma to people and sometimes it's the stench of death. That sometimes people don't like. Don't talk to me about Jesus. I got relatives. I've got friends that don't want to hear about Christianity. It's been so screwed up by our society that a real Christian is hard for them to see. Amen? They see our hypocrisy. And we don't need to go all self-righteous on them. Why don't we just admit we're inconsistent? Humble out. That would be refreshing for our worldly friends to see. Yeah, I messed up there. I screwed that up there. And I do love everybody. Not just the politically correct people. I love everybody. Because everybody's at the table. Ah, everybody sure has changed over the years, Tim. I guess you're right. That definition to everybody includes a lot of weird people, but I believe Jesus, if he were here, would say, "Come to the table." How else are they going to get to know the Lord if we if we don't get them in to the table? It can't be done unless I leave the table and remember His mission. His message. See, communion is not just a private thing. A lot of us, we make communion very private, don't we? Well, we're supposed to examine ourselves, Tim. And yes, we are. Yes, we are. But I noticed something here. He says, when I do this, I'm telling others about the Lord's death until He comes. It's not just private and personal. It's public. For when I when I recognize, and I have this Lord's a lot of us here, we take the Lord's Supper. Do people even know We're taking this by the lives we live? Or are we keeping it so personal and so secretive? I'll tell you, if you embrace what the Lord's Supper is really about, and you come out of the closet and really be this Christian you know you need to be, guess what's going to happen? It's controversial. You're going to make some trouble for yourself. But you can't save anybody God can't use you to save anybody unless you put yourself in some of this trouble because saving people involves risk and danger. What is it? Jesus, what are you saying here? What are you trying to tell me here? What am I supposed to... I'm praying here. Lord, what am I supposed to tell these people? This point is just so odd for me. It's not what I think of when I'm taking the Lord's Supper. Maybe you do. I don't. I think what he's telling me is Tim. I don't you ever this is so important I don't want you to ever forget this. What? What is it? That Jesus should matter more than anything else, more than food and clothing and stuff. That what I did, I died really happened and the reason is true. I so love the world and I want you to love it too. And give yourself, serve and sacrifice. But the world needs to know there is a that my body wants to touch them. I want you to never forget that I'm the bread of life, and I was broken. I passed myself out to everybody that table them. I didn't miss anybody. Now, if I'd have missed somebody, that gives you a right to miss people. But I didn't miss anybody. I want you to be the, have the same strategy. That everybody gets this. You want everybody there. I am real bread, real food, real drink, because I give real life. Not that pickup truck. Not that house. Not those, even those grandkids. Only me i that important. So important that His message, folks, understand this, that the Lord's message and the Lord's mission now become mine. Here's what Paul said as we close. Thanks for putting up with me today. Look at this. verse uh, 2 Corinthians 4. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Now, there's a lot of people who interpret this differently. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Why? So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. What's he saying? He's saying we carry around. We remember. Carry with us everywhere we go. Not to guilt us and shame us, but to remind us of our purpose and our mission. Our mission in life. Let me get something... We don't have time for a lot of stuff right now, I know that. Let me let me get something back here if I can find it. I'm a pack rat. I write oh, there's my notes. Okay, there we sorry about that. I just found my notes. It's on a receipt. Okay. This is a this is a, a song that Cassie Denius gave me. Um by Street Prophets. It's called Come to the Table. Maybe you've heard it. Here's how it goes. We're gonna show a video, we're not gonna do that. We all start on the outside, the outside looking in. This is where grace begins. We're hungry. We are thirsty with nothing left to give. Oh, the shape that we're in. Just when all hope seemed lost, love opened the door for us. He said, come to the table. Come join the sinners who have been redeemed. Take your place beside the Savior. Sit down and be set free come to the table. Come meet this maltly crew of misfits, these liars and these thieves. There's no one unwelcomed here. So that sin and shame that you brought with you, you can leave it at the door. Let mercy draw you near. Come to the table. To the thief and to the doubter, to the hero and the coward, to the prisoner and the soldier, to the young and to the old, all who are hungry, all who thirst. All the last and all the first. All the pompers and the princes. All who fail, you've been forgiven. All who dream and all who suffer and all loved and lost another. All the chained and all the free. All who follow, all who lead. Anyone who's been let down. All the lost. You have been found all who have been labeled right or wrong, to everyone who hears this song, come to the table. Come join the sinners who have been redeemed. Take your place beside the Savior. Sit down and be set free. Sit down and rest a while. Come to the table. I hope this morning... You're not afraid to come to the table. There's a place for you. There is a setting set for you at the Lord's table. It's always there. It's always there. Praise God. You may not show up. It's there. You may mess up. It's still there. And when you come in, you're met with a kiss. You're washed clean. He gives you and a gesture of friendship, bread, and sets you in the highest place of honor. I don't deserve it. None of us do. Those twelve didn't either. But isn't it awesome that he does that? It's so awesome. And he wants you to go away remembering that. Who's somebody you know this holiday season that needs to be at the table? See, the real question here is not I need to remember at the table, but what will I remember after I've left the table? You have a card in your bulletin and it's a chance to respond to this lesson in some way if you've got a prayer request. or Maybe there's somebody you know that you think, I need to be that entry point. I need to be that person that brings them to the table and this year I'm going to do that. I'm asking to help them. Pray for me. Help me do that. I don't know what your needs are. Maybe you just feel like I'm not worthy to be at this table. I want you to know that Jesus Christ still wants you. Still wants you. Still invites you. I just pray, I just pray for us this morning that God will just help us remember not only a sacrifice, but to be a servant. To love those that hurt us. And to be ready. Ready. Because I'm telling you right now, as soon as we leave these doors, we need to be ready to do His will. Let's pray. Father, thank You for, um, for the thoughts at this meal. Father, I pray that uh, You'll help us this morning as a church to remember You as we leave Your table. To remember what You've done for us. That You did give. That we're saved because of the precious blood of Your Son Jesus. Father, I pray You help us remember. Remind us again and again because we forget everything. What You're calling us to be. Father, let positions and titles and let that not motivate us, Father. But let our love for You motivate us to serve anywhere in Your Kingdom. Father, I know some of us here have been hurt by people. And they live in our heads and our hearts on a daily basis. They keep hurting us. Father, we pray that You'll help us treat them like You treated Judas and Peter that we'll find a way, Father, that You'll help us be gracious and kind to not run or avoid them or seek revenge, but to seek to glorify You, to show them Your Son, Jesus. Father, pray that you help us be ready to do Your will, that we'll be ready, that we'll remember Your mission and let it become ours Father, we pray that communion today will not only be private, but it will be public too. That we'll take what what we've eaten from this table out into the workplace, our home, and our neighborhoods and love people like You love us. We pray in Christ's name, amen.